Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. While I was dancing, okay... I would thought it was pretty darn good. I mean, I thought it was impressive, you know. I mean, I thought I was smooth, you know, rolling. Then my daughter showed me later on tape, and it looked a lot like what happens at home when she videotapes me. It wasn't too much different. So uh, I was a little bit disappointed in the, when, you know, the tape doesn't lie. I was a little bit disappointed in the performance. But, uh, but you, well, you know, I, I, I got low. Did you notice? I was in bed, you know. There's a lot to be said for that. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Jay Croucher. And, of course, Matthew Berry joins us as well. That, of course, was John Harbaugh at the top of the show. Jay, good week to be a Harbaugh. Great week to be a Harbaugh. Uh, Much to uh, Matthew Berry's chagrin. Um, (laughs) Tide not rolling. Tide falling over. Uh, Tide is uh, not reaching shore. Uh, Tough loss, though. Could have gone either way. But uh, no, it was, a, it was a good week. Lots happened. Uh, and I think John Harbour may be the biggest winner of all, clinching the one set and his quarterback clinching MVP. Absolutely. And of course, we have a lot to do today. We got player news that comes with our Week 17 recap, waiver wired for those of you still playing in your championships this week, and our Back to the Futures bets because Pete's with us, backup producer Pete. Yes. It is a Tuesday. But before we go anywhere, fantasy champions, you drink free today. And we are lucky enough here on the happy hour to be joined by a fantasy champion. Because Matthew, to the regret of some, <laughs> to, America. Uh, to, to America, has won our NBC Happy Hour League Championship, beating the Dark Horse Dev. Matthew, congratulations. Any, any words, any speech on the Happy Hour Championship? Yeah, listen, thank you so much, especially since my uh, Jaron Hall pick did not work out there as well. But Juwan Johnson did come through for me. Everyone showed up. My fantasy ride or die, Amon Ross St. Brown, of course. Last year's ride or die, Jalen Hurts. It's here for Dave Montgomery. And, of course, my guy eight, CeeDee Lamb, leading the way in a huge way. The human Dorch and Wondell Robinson, some pickups because, I, you know, Raheem Mostert got injured just before the end of it. At the end of the day, it wasn't particularly close. I was nervous. I was worried about Stupid Dev. I like that he changed his team name to Stupid Dev. He put up a valiant effort. There's no question about it. But disappointing performances for him from uh, – from Kelsey and Henry, obviously Minshew and made it, Mason Rudolph are not really doing a lot there. Um, so, uh, look, you know, sometimes, sometimes the right thing happens in fantasy. Every once in a while, you'll see a league where the, the best team doesn't win, where the fantasy gods conspire against that person. But in this particular case, justice was in fact served. I was the best team from start to finish, from wire to wire. I lost only one game this entire year. You know, like, Connor, you put up an amazing game against me when we played in the regular season. 181 points, he still lost. You know, Jay Croucher with his stick men. 
and his voodoo magic. He tried very hard, valiantly, to get me out with his Najee Harris and, you know, Easton Stick, and he was not able to do so. Many came at the champ, many failed. The point, and, and I think the most important thing here is that for the rest of this show, for the rest of the season next year, really until a year from now, I demand Jay and you, Connor, refer to me as champion or champ. Our master I will accept. You know, um, uh, you know, he he who wears the crown I will accept. I just, you know, I just want acknowledgement from you guys. If you guys ever win the championship, I'll refer to you as champ, but you have not done so yet. So, yeah, I'm the champion, and I need you to refer to me as such. Well... I just want to congratulate you, Matthew, because that was the worst uh, post-game celebration interview since uh, <laughs> Richard Sherman uh, lit up Aaron Andrews after he shut down Michael Crabtree. So uh, you've taken that mantle from him. Uh, no, I couldn't be less happy about this outcome, to be honest. The fact that you were able to turn Jawan Johnson into peak Travis Kelsey and Justice Sal into uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, it's tough, but you did have the best team. You did win, so congratulations for that, and uh, congratulations for your humility. Yeah, yeah, that too. Congrats to the champ. We're on the pre-show call. Matthew, really didn't even want to speak about it, yeah, but we, we wanted to show, uh, most importantly, his defeat, his win, and Dev's defeat. Zero wide receiver finally comes back yes. to bite Dev. I don't know how he... Congratulations. Uh, congratulations. Now, real that real talk for a second. All jokes aside. Uh, Dev, Dev is a very good sport. Very sport. I, very good sport. Sweet kid. Does a great job with the graphics on our show. Did a great job with his team. We, we thought leaving the draft, we were like, dude, you literally only drafted Rasheed Rice and Michael Pittman. You went zero wide receiver, which is not a strategy we Great see picks. very often. But it wound him up in the finals. He uh, he did very well. So congratulations to um, to Dev um, and uh, to everyone, honestly, for putting up a valiant effort. But it was not enough, unfortunately. But listen, I want to thank Amon Ross St. Brown, who, uh, as Ian Hart has pointed out on Twitter today, is the only non-quarterback to put up at least 20 fantasy points in every single round of the playoffs this year. My fantasy ride or die came through, you know, at crunch time. When you needed him the most, he came through. So um, thank you, Amon Ra. Thank you, Jalen Hurts. Thank you, CeeDee Lamb. Of course, I call him eights. But, yeah, you know what? Like, give me a little bit of love here, Jay Croucher. Like, to your point, like, I was dealing with, you know, Mostert being out and a bunch of other injuries as well. I lost TJ Hawkinson. So I had to piece it together. (laughs) I had to piece it together. And so, yeah, Justice Hill, Juwan Johnson, Wandell Robinson, all guys that were available for Deb or anyone else to be picked up, and they were all sitting there for the last couple of days. So um, managed to grab them. They performed for me, and uh, I'm happy to be your champion. I promise to rule with uh, fairness and, and grace. Uh, kindness. Yes. Benevolence. I will be a benevolent king to all of you, I promise. Yes, I for one welcome our new insect overlord <laughs> uh, <laughs> with his superstar team of uh, wide receivers and running backs. Make no mistake about it, too. This was a Cinderella story. I want people to understand that this this didn't just, you know, wasn't a dynasty. It wasn't no. Tom Brady's this Patriots. This isn't the Niners. When you look at our Happy Hour League last year, <laughs> these were the standings. Yeah. And oh, boy, five and nine. Matthew's nifty team. I don't think there's another Matthew in our league. We, I, uh, I don't yeah. know where this screenshot came from, but this was quite the Cinderella run. Yes. Uh, from eighth place to, to champion the following year, Matthew. Yeah, you know what? I had last year I'd never played on Yahoo before, and so there was some. <laughs> that's, I, that's I, I, no, I'm dead serious. I'm like, no if shame. you guys are gonna try to throw me under the bus, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain myself from last year. 
um, which is that we, I mean, like, you want to get, like, so it's a 14-team team, as you see there from last year. We were under the impression that it was one type of scoring. Turns out it was another. Half the league didn't understand that it was a two-quarterback league. It was it was poorly commissioned last year. We replaced that commissioner as well. The rules were unclear. The, the Yahoo draft, anyway, it was a whole thing. Um, but this year, everyone was clear on the rules, and uh, the league was run. I think what's more important here, and I appreciate you guys trying to rain on my parade. Um, go back to the standings from this year, please. Can we go back to the standings from this uh, year? I've lost that. Yeah. Lost As opposed to we're living into it's the It's on past. the archive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Interesting. One, I, I went, uh, what was the regular season? The regular season was four. I went 13 and one, I believe, in the regular season, whatever the regular season was, or 14 and one. I only had one loss in the regular season. And of course, then I wiped the floor with Jay. I wiped the floor with uh, Stupid Dev throughout the playoffs. Had a first round bye, of course. And I think the. Uh, I think the important lesson here is to to completely ignore draft grades. Because I will say this. Yahoo, after my draft, where I drafted a lot of the players you saw on my team, David Montgomery, uh, Jalen Hurts. I had Sam Howell as my quarterback for much of the year. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, all those guys. Like You saw all those guys. They were all drafted. I got a D. I got a D from Yahoo. That was my post-draft grade. They said very unlikely to make the playoffs. Well... We put that on the bulletin board. We showed the team. And you know what? They rallied around that. No one believed in us. No one believed in us except us right here. And we rose above it. Every single person came at us. Every single person left with an L. There you go. Yep. Hail to the champions. Hail to live at noon on the cock. <laughs> right. I will know you had two losses, but to be fair, you did have the best team, Matthew. You, I think your best pick was probably Tank Dell. He wasn't there. And uh, you were able to bench Joe Flacco and Jerome Ford and still win the final by 54 points. So well done, Matthew. Deserving winner. Couldn't be less happy about it, but you are a deserving winner. Absolutely. Our once-kind ruler is now the Mad King. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Matthew. No, I was just going to say, look, there's a lot of benefits to winning the league, obviously. Um, and I feel great about it. But the one thing that I think is probably the best part of this is the fact it makes Jay so unhappy. <laughs> makes so uncomfortable. He's oh. going to toss and turn to sleep for the next year, and rightfully so. I almost, I almost had you, Matthew. Had you in my grasp, and then, uh, and then Mason Rudolph overthrew a uh, wide-open Deontay Johnson. But uh, we were close to stick, Ben. Next year, anyway. Next year, Connor. All right, with that, let's jump into the Roto World player news. For all your player news, go to NBCSports.com. And, of course, we start with Lions-Cowboys. Not only was this a thriller, but a heartbreaker. And we got to hear from Dan Campbell on the tough loss and moving forward after the game. I'm good. I woke up yesterday. I'm, I'm ready, man. I've got controlled fury, and uh, I'm ready to go. I'm absolutely ready to go. I don't go the other way. So, And the team won't either. Uh, we're on a mission, and uh, we're not going to uh, we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves and Walter and everything. We had plays to make, we didn't make them, and uh, it's a tight game, a good opponent, playoff type atmosphere, and you got to make that that one extra play that we didn't. And uh, so we will use this as fuel. I got pure octane right now. I woke up, I'm ready. So we're moving forward. Some of that, a lot of great fantasy team names from that speech. Jay. I feel like the Fury is not controlled. I'm going to no. go against that that comment. I will agree that the, the pure octane is very pure, but the Fury is not controlled. Uh, yeah, what a magnificent character for the NFL. His press conference after the loss was, uh, was truly magnificent. Uh, and I will say as someone 
who was holding a uh, Kevin Stefanski Coach of the Year ticket going into that game. I thought the only way that I could lose it was if Dan Campbell goes for two with 23 seconds left on the clock and uh, beats Dallas in prime time uh, to lock up the greatest Detroit Lions season ever. So I was absolutely terrified throughout that game. Uh, obviously a travesty that the Lions lost it, but uh, but good to see Dan uh, is uh, on this path to controlling his fury in Octane. And Matthew, a huge part of that loss came from the effect of C.D. Lamb, who not only helped out the Cowboys, but helped out you uh, with a monstrous performance of 13 catches, 227 yards, and a touchdown, of course. You think about Jamar Chase a couple of years ago, Mike Evans last year with the three touchdowns. But, you know, one of the issues with Evans last year was he'd been bad the last couple of weeks prior. So there are a lot of people that left him on the bench, similar to Joe Flacco this year, where people left him on the bench because, you know, facing the, facing the Jets, then I'm on defense without Amari Cooper. But CeeDee Lamb was in everyone's lineup. Anyone that had CeeDee Lamb started him. And CeeDee Lamb, I call him eight, becomes the first player since 2020 with 13, 225 and a touchdown in a game. Tyree Kill was that player, of course. Most receptions and receiving yards in a game. During the fantasy playoffs, he was the second best wide receiver in fantasy, averaging 28 fantasy points per game. He led all wide receivers in receiving yards during that stretch. Actually could add a second touchdown in this game. Ends up fumbling at the end zone. But just, just a monster, massive performance from CeeDee Lamb when you need it the most. Again, led a lot of fantasy teams to their championships in an era and a week where a number of big-name stars disappointed. CeeDee Lamb came through for his managers, including, yes, yours truly, the people's champ. Yeah. I was with CeeDee Lamb as well. There's been so much rightfully made of Tyreek Hill's uh, incredible season. CeeDee Lamb's only 66 yards behind Tyreek Hill now, and uh, he gets the Washington secondary. So he's a very big chance to win the receiving title. T-point Matthew, he fumbled a touchdown uh, out of the end zone. He also had another bad drop as well. He could have easily had 260 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and I think he'll go into into next season like really solidified uh, in that top block of wide receivers with Tyreek, with Jefferson, with Chase. And of course, the other wide receiver in this game with a big-time performance. And Matthew, you mentioned his consistency during your championship rant. Your ride or die, Amon Ross St. Brown, six catches, 90 yards, and of course, the touchdown as well. Yeah, look, three straight games with at least 90 yards and a touchdown, as you point out, right? But that's also 22 fantasy points in three straight games as well. I'll say this. He's one of only one wide, one of three wide receivers to have at least 110 receptions this year. Of course, CeeDee Lamb and Tyreek Hill are the other two as well. My fantasy ride or die from start to finish. This guy was incredible. During the fantasy playoffs, he was the number three wide receiver in fantasy. And the other thing that's important to remember here is in terms of ride or dies, I think a lot of people can sit back and like, ah, obvious. But at the time that we came up with the idea, I'm speaking about myself in the Royal Week. At the time that we came up with the idea that uh, Amon Ross St. Brown would be my fantasy ride or die this year, everyone was pitching. Like, I remember, you know, Connor, you pitched me uh, B. John Robinson. Uh, I believe, Jay, you pitched me Justin Herbert. Anthony Richardson, Tony Pollard were uh, were suggested. Chris Olavi, Garrett Wilson, those guys came up as well. And so there were so Tony, um, Jameer Gibbs was another guy that came up. And like, so you think about just all the guys that would have been legitimate, like, oh, that makes sense. I could see that. Justin Fields was another guy. Like, all those guys were honestly at some level disappointing this year. The only guy that wasn't was Amon Ross St. Brown. It's so hard to find consistency at the highest levels of fantasy football. My argument for Monroe St. Brown at the beginning of the year was this guy is an elite fantasy wide receiver. He is one of the best in the NFL, and no one talks about him in the same category as Tyreek Hill, 
as CeeDee Lamb, as Justin Jefferson. He doesn't get talked about in the same breath as those guys. And as you see it there on your screen, not only should he be, but he was this year. The numbers are the numbers. He is, you know, uh, finishes the year as the uh, as the number four wide receiver in fantasy football. He was drafted often outside the first round, at least until I announced him as my ride or die, and then he rose up a little bit. But still, the fact of the matter is, is that if you drafted Amon Ross St. Brown this year, you're thrilled with it. You made a profit on a first-round pick or a, or a, a early second-round pick, and uh, that's hard to do. So uh, credit to our one true sun god. Indeed. And I think the the smartest thing about the handicap was the idea that Amon Ra, and more to the point really, Jared Goff, was going to not be exposed to weather in I think eight of the last nine games of the season. Yeah. And sure enough, yeah. the one bad game that Amon Ra played all season long was outdoors against Chicago. And then when he was in the Dome, uh, and earlier in the season when he wasn't, every single game he was productive. Uh, so I think that's something that people I don't think about that much when they're looking and drafting guys. But like, schedule is hugely important, particularly for someone like Goff, who has huge uh, home-road weather, non-weather splits. And for all the consistent greatness, as we saw, the fantasy wide receiver leaders, C.D. Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown, Matthew, we've talked about how big of a disappointment Tony Pollard has been Right now, it's looking like he will not finish, uh, you know, the season as a top 20 running back in fantasy, which if you told somebody that back in August, it's absolutely startling. Yeah, he was running back 23. He finished his running back 23, averaging under 13 fantasy points per game. During the fantasy playoffs, when you needed him the most, single-digit fantasy points in every single week. He averaged six fantasy points a game, weeks 15 through 70. Under 75 yards for uh, rushing yards in every single game this year except for two. He had 66 red zone touches this year, right? Tony Pollard had 66 red zone touches this season. He scored four touchdowns. Now, that's that's a lot of times that he didn't score touchdowns. 62 times. I'm doing this math in my head. 62 times he got the ball in the red zone and didn't score a touchdown. Do you understand how hard that is to do on an offense as efficient and as successful as the Cowboys? It was brutal. You know, and I know he was hurt to start the season, I suppose, wasn't fully recovered. But still, you know, when you see that what Rico Daddle had better numbers on a lot less touches um, in the red zone than Tony Pollard, I will say this. I think the the thought that, oh, finally Tony Pollard's going to be a bell cow running back, I think those days are over. Whether he's back with the Cowboys next year or not we, remains to be seen. But if he is back with Dallas, they will have somebody else with him they will go out and get a big name guy whether it's derrick henry or somebody they'll draft somebody but tony paul they're not going into next year with tony pollard and rico dowdle as their running backs i yeah. bet you anything that yeah of course pollard set to be a free agent after the season jay playing yeah. the tag the one thing i'll say with pollard is that he did break his leg in january and so i'm just wondering whether that he's just not physically the same guy yet and he can get better but to me the most incredible thing about pollard is that he only got to 80 rushing yards once all season. That's almost impossible. This team plays with the lead so much. Right. They're in positive game strips so often. He averaged 15 carries a game. And with the explosiveness that he showed last year, that's, that's almost impossible that that happened. The only time he did it was against the Cardinals back in week three. And also, I think... The offensive line hasn't been as dominant as years past, but also he just hasn't played well. Like he dropped that screen or that pass over the middle against Detroit where if he just holds on to that, that could be a 60-yard touchdown run or whatever it might have been. Uh, he has missed his opportunities, and I think relative to ADP, he has to be the biggest disappointment of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. All right, let's move over to a 
game that had a ton of points, a lot of them on the Baltimore side. We opened with John Harbaugh's dancing. The Ravens destroy the Miami Dolphins, and Lamar Jackson, Jay, all but locks up the MVP, 18 for 21, over 300 passing yards. The five touchdowns, really the standout in this one. Yeah, Lamar currently on DraftKings Sportsbook he is minus 20,000 to win MVP. Oh. That is phenomenal value, the minus 20,000, <laughs> because it's like, there's Free. a 0% chance, I think, now that he loses the award. And look, the criticism of Lamar's MVP case previously had been that statistically he, st- he doesn't stack up to other MVP winners or even some other quarterbacks this season. Well, he fixed his stats pretty well in this game, going for the five touchdowns, perfect passer rating, 95.9 QBR. And this was against a Miami defense that quietly has been a top two defense in the back end of the NFL season. Well, not anymore after this game, but I mean, the fact that he was able to do this, I mean, I think this is this is probably the best game he's ever played in his career. And this is a guy who previously won MVP unanimously in 2019. Yeah, Matthew, for a player that was kind of up and down fantasy-wise, the Ravens have always been good this year, but up and down fantasy-wise, at least the first 70% of this season, what a finish for Lamar Jackson, who probably gave a lot of fantasy managers a championship. He was the number one quarterback in fantasy throughout the fantasy playoffs. Absolutely a brilliant performance by him down the stretch. And, of course, when you needed the most in the championship week, he gets you five touchdown passes. I mean, I he led one of my other teams to a championship where the rest of my team just didn't show up, honestly. You know, like my, my running backs in that league were like Rashad White who didn't do much as well. And, like, you know, it just played against a guy who started the Texans defense. He got a ton of points out of it. And anyway, but Lamar bailed me out with five touchdowns as well. A brilliant performance by him as well. And to your point, Jay, like he is, you think about the 2019 season when he won the MVP. I think there's just, it's not a fantasy note, but I just think it's kind of interesting. The 2019 season started with Baltimore absolutely rocking Miami, just blew him out and sort of started off Lamar's 2019 MVP campaign. And then, and he of course, ends up winning the MVP. And then this year, he caps it off with a throttling of Miami. So, uh, Sort of uh, kind of interesting symmetry right there. Sort of fun. But, uh, yeah, brilliant performance by Lamar. He is the MVP of the NFL. And I think you can argue, you know, given his performance in the fantasy playoffs, he's on the short list of fantasy MVPs as well. I mean, I think you could make an argument for Amon Ra. You could make an argument for, you know, some of the Raheem Mostert if he hadn't missed the last week because of where he was drafted. We'll do our award ceremony uh, probably in a week uh, from now. But really, a truly brilliant performance by Lamar, especially when you needed it most against Miami. I, I think Baltimore's the best team in the AFC. I think you can make an argument they're the best team in the NFL. And I think a anything other than a San Francisco-Baltimore Super Bowl, I don't want to say it's an upset, but would be a surprise, at least to me. While it's looking like Lamar will be the MVP, Isaiah likely might have been a savior for many fantasy managers, Matthew. As soon as Mark Andrews goes down, likely obviously a huge waiver priority ad that week. And he lived up to expectations and came through this week with the two touchdowns. At least 18 fantasy points in three of the past four. You saw it right there. If you were watching, you saw you saw this play, which is just absolutely brilliant. A one-handed in motion. Like, he's running and just grabs it with one hand while without breaking stride. I mean, that's what's ridiculous. We've seen a lot of one-handed catches in the NFL. I don't see a lot of them where you just do it while you're running. Unbelievably, he's now scored four touchdowns in the past four games since Mark Andrews went down. To your point, uh, he is the fifth best tight end in fantasy football, Isaiah Likely. It'd be super interesting to see what happens with Andrews next year. My expectation, obviously, is he's back with the Ravens. And so Isaiah Isaiah Likely becomes... uh, 
you know, the new Alexander Madison for years behind Dalvin Cook, which is like the rare insurance tight end where you, if you draft Mark Andrews next year, you'll have to draft Isaiah Likely because if Andrews goes down, you know he exactly will be, you know, cl- come close to matching the production of Mark Andrews. And it's rare that you see that at the tight end position. And if anything were to happen to Andrews, he, he leaves, he gets traded, what have you. This injury is more serious than we think. He doesn't start the season. Isaiah Likely has proven, you know, he's a top five fantasy tight end on Baltimore when he gets the opportunity. Jay, a brutal day for the Dolphins. A good day for Devon A. Chan. Over 100 rushing yards. He catches four passes, also catches the touchdown. No Raheem Mostert, of course, in this one. No Jalen Waddle, and it's expected that Waddle will not play against the Bills for the division this week. I mean, what do we make of this Miami team right now? And if you are playing in a fantasy championship this week, what do you even look at with this offense? Yeah, I mean, it was such a weird game because if Tyreek Hill just catches that ball in the end zone, which he catches 100 times out of 101, then they're up 14-7 and they're favored to win the game. Uh, and then after that, it just fell all fell yeah. to pieces. Uh, Tua didn't play well. Nothing. They just couldn't get anything going after that. And obviously the defense got completely eviscerated. But, I mean, I think it's positive on A-Chan, the fact that he showed that he could uh, take 18 touches in the offense and deliver. Uh, and he gets uh, in the end zone as well. But, I mean, they're three-point dogs at home to Buffalo uh, on Sunday Night Football. Uh, and I think that there are concerns with... With Tua's health, uh, he'll play, but he might be a bit banged up. Tyreek just hasn't looked like the same guy exactly since he hurt his ankle or re-aggravated against Tennessee. So, look, if you are playing in Week 18, you're still starting the Marquee Dolphins, uh, but Raheem Mostert's health will uh, say a lot about Devin A. Chan's upside. Yeah, and Matthew, Mike McDaniel wouldn't really even comment on the status of Mostert right now. I think he was surprised he wasn't ready to go for this one, and they also don't know his status going into next week yet either. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we were all a little surprised. Like, we knew he was hurt. He'd been getting, he'd missed a lot of practice, but we thought it was sort of kind of veteran rest. This is somebody who has been banged up in his career, and so uh, I think there was a, a bit of a surprise that Mostert was not able to go Championship Sunday. I tweeted this out. I was I literally was in five finals, and Mostert was on all of those teams. Not surprising. I mean, anytime you get you know almost twenty touchdowns out of a late round pick, it'll uh, it'll do a lot for your fantasy team. I had a lot of Tank Dell this year as well. And, and so both those guys, uh, to your point, were both on my team in our show league and in a lot of other leagues that I had. And so, you know, you had to sort of scramble there. Justice Hill proved to be a, a good pickup for him, specifically to A-Chan, though. He's had two games where Jalen – forget Mostert for a second. He's had two games this year where Jalen Waddle is out, and he's averaging over 37 fantasy points per game in those games. Now, obviously, that's skewed a little bit, but still – I mean, you know, 23 fantasy points this past one against a very good Ravens defense is nothing to sneeze at. Chris McCaffrey, Kyron Williams. That's the only two running backs that have had more 100-yard rushing games than Devon Achan this year, which is crazy to think about, especially when you think about how much time Achan missed earlier in the season. So I think Achan is a must-start this week, regardless of whether Mostert is back or not, because without Waddle, they will use – it's such a narrow uh, offense – in terms of how they distribute the ball, A-Chan is still going to touch his. You mentioned the passing game work, four receptions, 30 yards, and a touchdown in this past one against Baltimore. I would expect similar numbers next week against uh, the Bills, regardless of whether Mostert's back. We move over to the most stunning upset of the weekend, and that absolutely is the Cardinals beating the Eagles at Philadelphia in this one. And 
Matthew, I think the big fantasy storyline is how much of a mess the Eagles wide receiver situation was. Devontae Smith now dealing with a mild ankle sprain. A.J. Brown only four catches for 53 yards on championship weekend in a brutal Philadelphia loss. In a year in which A.J. Brown was so good for so long, during the fantasy playoffs, he did not show up under 15 fantasy points in three straight games. And you figure, okay, it's Arizona. They're home. And this is a game they need to win. And yet, 4 for 53, he was wide receiver 45 in championship week. He ends the year as wide receiver 6, which just sort of goes to show you how good he was up until the last couple of weeks. Through the first 14 weeks of the season, he was wide receiver 4. In the fantasy playoffs, he was wide receiver 32. Again, just just when you need him the most, he didn't show up. And I don't know how much of that is on him versus Jalen Hurts versus sort of game script, but... Credit the Arizona Cardinals. They had every reason to sort of phone this game in. This is a tough matchup. They've had they've struggled defensively this year, and they showed up in a big way. Huge win for the Cardinals. Congratulations to them. Thrilled for them. And when I say thrilled for them, I mean thrilled for them. Because uh, that win helps uh, solidify my beloved Washington Commanders, as we stand today, have the number two pick in the NFL draft. And assuming they lose to Dallas, and I believe they will lose to Dallas this week, Commanders, uh, you understand the assignment, right? We're losing to Dallas this week. You know, number two pick of the draft. And so, uh, anyway, back to A.J. Brown. Yeah, this was tough. This has been tough. I mean, I don't know what it is. I, I, I feel like, because it's not like, the other part that's weird is that it's not like, well, so A.J. Brown's going, so it must be Devontae Smith's been going off. No. Devontae Smith was wide receiver 60 this week. Had just six fantasy points. He's had five targets, literally just five targets each of his past three games as well. He's dealing with that mild ankle sprain, but still, like it just he was bad this week as well. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith both did not show up in what should have been a big game against Arizona. And shocking to me. I think part of it is Jalen Hurts just hasn't been the same. And like you haven't cared fantasy wise because you're getting the brotherly shove, the tush push, you're getting sort of a lot of these cheap touchdowns which are elevating his fantasy value. But NFL-wise, he hasn't seemed like the guy from last year, at least to me. Yeah, I agree. And keeping an eye on Jason Kelsey's status, if he's going to play next year, will be a legitimate fantasy topic because the tush push, like you said, Matthew, is such a large portion of his fantasy production. And, Jay, speaking of the quarterbacks, Kyler Murray – I mean, talk about a, a value in drafts this year. Not drafted as a top-10 quarterback. He finishes the fantasy season as QB10 on a points-per-game basis. When Arizona has games like this that they catch you by surprise, it's on the back of Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, he's still fantasy monster. I think he's real life, maybe... I just thought to throw out most underrated quarterback in the NFL, but I think he's in that discussion. He gets written off. Underappreciated. Yeah, he's very underappreciated. This guy's the number one pick for a reason. And to me, one of the most startling stats of the entire season is that Philadelphia, with their season on the line, with the NFC East at stake, the Cardinals had 40 minutes time of possession in this game. The Eagles just couldn't get on the field. That's why A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith didn't have these big games. The Eagles only ran 47 plays. And this defense in Philadelphia now, on the season, is the 30th ranked defense in the NFL after being a top five unit last year. And it's just infecting everything. Uh, And so Murray was awesome. James Conner was fantastic. Uh, And the Cardinals, I mean, credit to them. Long term, terrible for their franchise that they won this game. But for a day at least, uh, they were magnificent. Yeah, Matthew, James Conner with a massive championship week performance. And honestly, quietly, 
You take away the time when he was hurt. He was very good this season. He comes in as RB15 on the year, averaging over 14 points per game. Yeah, on a points-per-game basis, he was the 15th best running back in fantasy football. He was one of these guys. I mean, this was ultimately totally a year to go zero RB, as we talked about. We talked about this quite a bit in the preseason about how there's all this kind of quote-unquote cheap volume in those middle rounds, The you know, the fifth, sixth, seventh round of fantasy drafts. We talked about Isaiah Pacheco. We talked about Kyron. Well, we talked about Cam Akers, who turned on to Kyron Williams. But if you drafted Cam Akers and you got Kyron Williams as a backup, it would have worked out. And James Conner was one of those guys. And I'm like, I get it. The Cardinals are gross, and you don't think they're going to be any good. But he's going to touch the ball. He's going to touch the ball a ton. And so, you know, James Conner, especially when you needed him the most, fantasy playoffs, six touchdowns in his last four games, like in, leading in the game to get into the playoffs in the last uh, couple of weeks here. He's been nothing short of terrific. He finishes the week. Fantasy Championship week is running back four. You mentioned top 15 play. Somebody that was just kind of being left for dead in fantasy drafts at the beginning of the year. Again, this sort of this cheap volume. There were just a number of guys out there. James Cook was another one that we talked about quite a bit going in that range that we liked a lot. Uh, just running backs that weren't sexy. They were maybe in slightly bad situations because there was another running back there or because the team wasn't particularly good but we're like these guys are all going to touch the ball 15 to 20 times and they should be productive you know the area what you should do is draft run wide receivers early this year and you know then in that fifth sixth seventh round draft running backs goes at a zero rb and it really paid off this year again you know jokes aside like whatever but like my team's a perfect example of that in our league right i mean it's a two it, ours league is a super flex league I had the number one pick. I got hurt. But on the comeback around, I had CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown. My, you know, I, ended up, I got Mostert late in that league. You know, I got like just a bunch of kind of mid-tier running backs in that league, sort of pieced it together. David Montgomery was another kind of mid-tier, you know, zero RB target, and that obviously worked out. Yahoo didn't like it. They gave me a D grade. They said I was the second worst drafter in our league, but um, – just goes to show you, I never listen to the automated draft grades. To be fair to Yahoo, they also said I had a bad draft, and I did have a bad draft. Uh, so good job by them on that one. Yeah, fair enough. But back to James Conner uh, as well. Just, you know, really impressive. And the weird part is, is they didn't use him in the passing game as well. But I think that as we sort of look towards next year, we'll see if James Conner is back with Arizona. But, you know, Kyler Murray fully healthy. James Conner back. I think they found something with Michael Wilson. Really nice, uh, really nice player there. Marquise Brown was hurt all year long, but assuming he comes back healthy, they obviously have something amazing in Trey McBride. This is suddenly a very nice offense fantasy wise uh, next year. Another fantasy championship storyline comes from the 49ers Commanders game, where listen, Matthew Christian McCaffrey carried a lot of people to fantasy championships the, this year, and it's not that he put up a goose egg, but with the calf strain. In week 17, it's safe to say this was a fantasy championship disappointing performance from a player that was incredible the entire season. Yeah, I mean, look at, at he just 13 fantasy points, running back 21 uh, as well. It was not. It was a game that was kind of workmanlike for the 49ers. They didn't need to do much to defeat my Commanders, so certainly disappointing. He leaves, as you mentioned, he left the game early. They want to be you know cautious with us. He's not going to play in week 18 against the Rams. He's got this mild calf strain. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up. But, you know, the expectation here, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason will fill in for him. But he was unbelievable this year. He's the number one running back in fantasy, obviously, for the season, averaging over 24 fantasy points per game. 
this year, 391 total fantasy points, his most in a season since 2019. He was the number one player in fantasy football. You could argue he was the fantasy MVP because I saw him going sometimes as like number five overall. People were drafting Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase over him. McCaffrey going like, you know, the middle of the first round to get that kind of value in the middle of the first round is unbelievable. If you're interested, my way, way, way too early top 50 for 2024 is available now on rotoworld.com, NBCSports.com, 100% free, of course. I'm a company man, but not a surprise, Chris McCaffrey is my number one overall player for 2024. Jay, do you think Offensive Player of the Year is still up for grabs right now, or is somebody kind of separated from the pack as we take a look here? I think McCaffrey, I think that minus 300 price is justified. I mean, I personally would vote for Tyreek Hill, but I think McCaffrey, there is the sense that, you know, 2K scrimmage yards, 21 touchdowns, number one seed, Niners, it feels like his award. But Tyreek Hill, Sunday Night Football, if he goes off against the Bills and has a Tyreek Hill game where he has 150 yards in a win that clinches the division for Miami, at that point, I think Tyreek would win the award. But I think these odds are fair. The weird one for me is, and I think his case is coalescing too late, Sidney Lamb has another 200-yard game against the Washington Commanders and wins the receiving title, which is very in play, uh, as Matthew will know, having watched Commanders football this season, to clinch the NFC East in that game. I just think it's probably come together too late for CD, and he's just not in that discussion with McCaffrey and Tyreek. But uh, at these prices, uh, I wouldn't be betting anyone in particular. I think those prices are fair. Pretty easy day for Brock Purdy, 22-28, 230 yards, two touchdowns. Debo Samuel gets volume both through the air and on the ground. Brandon Ayuk, Ayuk gets the touchdown, seven catches, 114 yards. Matthew, it's going to be tough next summer to rank these guys, how to differentiate and separate Ayuk and Debo in this offense. I don't think you need to. I mean, I think both guys, I mean, we've seen there's a number of offenses where they have, you know, multiple elite wide receivers. You know, the, we – we saw that, you know, this year didn't end up panning out. But, like, you know, we expected that with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith both finished as top 10 wide receivers this year as well. I think it's going to be hard to keep uh, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua outside of the top 10 next year among wide receivers. And I think Debo and Ayuk are both right there as well in terms of, you know, you're right. Do you prefer Debo because maybe the rushing or Ayuk because he gets banged up a little bit less? I don't think it matters. Both guys are superstars in fantasy and in real life in the NFL. And this offense, we expect Kyle Shanahan to be back. We expect the entire offense to be back and be filled with fantasy goodness. Brock Purdy, by the way, to your point, I think Brock Purdy's a top 10 fantasy quarterback next year. He finishes the year as QB8, averaging over 18 fantasy points per game. And, and uh, you know, in a game against Washington, did what he should do. Right, which is, you know, a couple touchdown passes. Again, very workmanlike performance. He finishes the week as QB 12, 17.6 fantasy points per game. He's had at least 20 fantasy points in over half his games this year. Pretty impressive. Over to the AFC, the Chiefs. It was a close one for a while, but they ultimately take care of business against the Bengals here, Jay, on the back of Isaiah Pacheco, who runs for 130 yards, catches seven passes, catches a touchdown, ends up as RB2 from the weekend in a monster performance for another guy. We talked about zero RB. This was one of those guys in that strategy. Yep, absolutely. And the thought process there was that this guy has the chance or the likelihood to be a number one running back in a Patrick Mahomes offense. Now, Patrick Mahomes' offense hasn't meant nearly as much this year as it has in every year prior of his career. But look, Pacheco showed that uh, it is just cartoonish, his running. (laughs) The style of it is unbelievable. Stomping. It is stomping. Uh, The arm movement is majestic. But 
I mean, he showed that he can light up these bad run defenses, uh, and Cincinnati have as bad the bad of run defenses you can have with DJ Reader out. Uh, and so he was an absolute monster uh, when it mattered most. Yeah, Matthew, as we show the Week 17 fantasy leaders, just massive breakout years for both Kyron Williams at the top there and, of course, Pacheco following him from this weekend as well. I think the biggest takeaway was Clyde Edwards, Jarek McKinnon's on IR. Jarek McKinnon, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire wasn't in this game, but Pacheco in this game, seven receptions for 35 yards and a touchdown. And I think that's the biggest thing is like we always knew Isaiah Pacheco was somebody that was, you know, could be a power runner between the tackles. But the emergence of his passing game usage, we saw hints of it last year in the playoffs. But this year becoming, you know, somebody that can be a true three down back for an Andy Reid offense is impressive. And like, listen, this is what the Chiefs need to do right now. Other than Rasheed Rice and sort of Travis Kelsey, it's been a tough year for Kelsey down the stretch. But it's really they don't have a lot of guys on, on in the passing game that you can count on. And so they got to play good defense and run the hell out of the ball. And with Isaiah Pacheco, they can. You know, he's, uh, he's going to be another fun one to rank next year as well. Like, clearly a fantasy superstar. And is the, he ends the year as the 11th best running back in fantasy. Last one from this game for you, Matthew. Travis Kelsey, through all of the trials this year, he still comes in as tight end one. But it feels like finally the king of the tight end position is starting to trend downward. Listen, I don't think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year. But if they wind up winning the Super Bowl this year, I think there's an argument. I, I wonder if Travis Kelsey retires, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but it's definitely down the stretch. It does feel like whether – I don't know whether it's age or defenses are catching up with them. But over the last three weeks – Travis Kelsey has less fantasy points per game than Kyle Pitts, right? Week 17, Noah Gray had more fantasy points than Travis Kelsey. Over the fantasy football playoffs, when you needed him the most, Travis Kelsey was tight end 24, right? He averaged under eight fantasy points per game, single-digit fantasy points now, and three straight for Travis Kelsey. And you couldn't have asked for a better matchup than Cincinnati, who have struggled against tight ends all year long. I thought this was going to be a smash spot for Kelsey you know, I was playing against Kelsey in, uh, the, in the playoff game where Lamar Jackson saved my bacon. You know, the guy I was facing had – I was Tristan Cockroft. Shout out to my friend Tristan Cockroft who does a great job over at ESPN. I was playing Tristan in the finals of this league, and he had Kelsey and Jefferson. He has – he honestly, he had the better team than me this year and uh, just didn't work out for him because those guys just disappointed for him. Uh, you know, Lamar had a five-touchdown game. But here's what I will say about Kelsey. I'll have Travis Kelsey as my number one tight end next year in fantasy, but I'll have him as like a mid-third round pick, and I bet you I wind up with zero shares of Kelsey next year. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we're back, for those of you still playing into Week 18, never fear. We have waivers coming up for you next. Be back right after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. So I need a tight end. 
So what did Dev do? What did Stupid Dev do? What did Stupid Dev do? Stupid Dev went to the wire, wire, wire and picked up every viable tight end. So I, I, I found Juwan Johnson. Found Juwan Johnson. So Juwan Johnson, Dev, <laughs> mark my words, Stupid Dev. Juwan Johnson has had double-digit fantasy points in back-to-back games and now plays uh, the Buccaneers, who are top five in terms of most fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. Juwan Johnson, seven targets last week. He's a viable streamer this week. He finishes as a top 12 tight end. Your evil plan fails in terms of tight end, stupid dev. Give me Juwan Johnson. You heard the man. Called a shot. Juwan Johnson, who leads waiver wired for tight ends here. 85% available against the Falcons. The Saints can clinch the NFC South or wild card, but they need a win plus help. And Matthew... Boy, was this a clutch pickup for you. 12 targets, 8 catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown for Jawan Johnson. I am so, you know, fantasy is so dumb, and it's so so emotional, right? I am so proud of this. Like, you're like, oh, it didn't matter. You had 40 points from, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ra went off and everything like that. I don't care. I was so proud of this Jawan Johnson pick because I lost Hawkinson, and he literally dev, like, Picked up every single possible tight end that he thought he could. His his bench was nothing but tight ends for much of the week. And then, of course, Sunday morning, he dropped them all so that I couldn't pick them back up. And so being able to, like, you know, look, sip through the the, the ashes of what was left, you know, the, the dregs of society there among tight ends and finding Jawan Johnson there, this beautiful gem of Jawan Johnson for the Saints, and then him coming through like he did. I am so proud of that. I am so happy and unbelievably uh, excited that he had a huge game, by the way. It's a nice matchup this week against Atlanta as well. Top, bottom six, Falcons, bottom six in terms of most catches and yards allowed to tight end so far this season. He's now had double-digit uh, fantasy points in three straight weeks. He scored a touchdown in three straight weeks, which is not surprising. He's actually tight end two in fantasy over the last three weeks. So I do think if you're playing in week 18 and looking for a tight end, Juwan Johnson, Juwan Johnson's viable, baby. Yeah, I think you put Juwan Johnson. You definitely pulled the horseshoe out of your pocket on that one. All right, another tight end on the list here, Jay. Tucker Craft against the Bears, 80% available. Green Bay clinches the wild card with a win in this one, but Luke Musgrave returned to practice last week. Craft's been good with Musgrave down. Yeah, he's been solid. Look, if Musgrave is back playing, you don't want any part of Tucker Craft most likely. But if Musgrave can't go, as you mentioned, the Packers need this game. They'll be going all out. You cannot run the ball on Chicago, so they should have to throw. And he was six targets, six receptions, 48 yards last week against Minnesota uh, with a chance of getting in the end zone. So I think you can do worse. We move over to the running backs here with Khalil Herbert against those Packers, 47% available. Matthew against Atlanta in Week 17, he got the volume. 18 rushes, 124 yards, and the touchdown also added two catches as well the important thing to remember here is that Deontay Foreman has been inactive each of the last two weeks for personal reasons we don't know what they are we don't know if he'll miss this game feels like it's trending that way we haven't even seen anything about it hope everything's okay with Deontay and his family but regardless of that assuming Foreman is out once again you'd expect Herbert to get the majority of the work and so the last two weeks he's averaging 20 fantasy points per game he's gotten at least 20 touches 120 yards from scrimmage in each of the last two weeks and oh by the way the Packers, over the last four weeks, are a bottom 10 run defense, and so uh, Khalil Herbert should get a nice workload in, on Sunday against their division rivals. 
If you can't get Herbert, how about Justice Hill against the Steelers, Jay? 81% available. Baltimore have clinched the number one seed, which maybe means more volume for Justice Hill this week. Yeah, potentially. You think that with Gus Edwards, his injury history, they might want to put him in cotton wool. The other thing, too, though, why Justice Hill, I mean, he was excellent against Miami, but why he may get continued run against the Steelers is that just with the NFL, it's like you can't just rest your whole team. That's not <laughs> yeah. how the roster works. This isn't like the Knicks in game 82 right. being able to play just like Miles McBride 48 minutes and go to a seven-man rotation. Like, they're going to have to play their guys, and you wouldn't think that Justice Hill is high on the list of players to be rested. Uh, so I think that he should play, and I think he should get decent volume. For wide receivers, as we move to waiver-wired wide receivers, Demarcus Robinson on the Rams, 72% available. Matthew Hisland's sanity run continues. Ten targets, six catches, 92 yards. What a five-game stretch for Demarcus Robinson. Last four, he's had a 21% target share as well. Since week 14, he's played 91% of the offensive snaps as well. So they've somehow this offense has shown that it can support three fantasy-relevant wide receivers beyond Cup and Puka. Obviously, Demarcus Robinson now has five straight games with at least 13 fantasy points there, as you see it there on your screen. Since week 13, he's been the 19th best wide receiver in fantasy. By the way, there's another guy that stupid dev picked up but didn't use against me. Ha ha! Stupid dev. Anyway, poor Dev. Poor Dev. You know, he's the sweetest kid in the world. He works his ass off on the show. Uh, And he's just uh, getting murdered uh, by me because I'm a jerk. Um, Anyway, we we need to have Dev on the show. You can control this. I know, but whatever. You know, we should have Dev on the show. We should have Dev on the show to let him, uh, you know, rebuttal and say whatever he wants to be. Absolutely. But regardless, Demarcus Robinson is a very viable pickup. They're playing San Francisco, but they're going to have to throw. And, again, you can throw on the Niners. And Demarcus Robinson, who's getting just a ton of work recently, I think, you know, is a viable streamer this week. One more wide receiver here, Jay Christian Kirk, available in 45% of leagues. He's got the Titans defense, which you love to see. And Doug Peterson said on Monday, Kirk could have his practice window activated this Wednesday. Yeah, if Christian Kirk can play, you're most certainly you know, likely starting Christian Kirk. I think the type of player he is as well, that he can get – his receptions in not a lot of snaps. So this is a game they need to clinch the division. And just the way they're playing, the no game is a layup. So if he can go, suspect that he's going to be a viable option. We close with a couple quarterbacks here. Matthew, Nick Mullins against the Lions. Joe Flacco against the Bengals. Although we'll see how much he's ultimately going to play. And Tyrod Taylor against that poor Eagles defense. Yeah, Nick Mullins, I mean, it's a little scary because ultimately, you know, it feels like it's probably going to be him. They tried Jaron Hall. I don't think they're going to go back to Dobbs at this point. So, you know, Nick Mullins has had at least 300 passing yards, both of his starts this year. Lions allowed the third highest yards per pass attempt over the last four. We saw what CeeDee Lamb did to them. So in a game script in which we figure the Vikings will be down and throwing, Mullins could be a viable streamer as well. Also just want to mention Tyrod Taylor. He's going to start for the Giants. No team in the NFL has given up more fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks than the Philadelphia Eagles. So Tyrod, who also obviously gets you points with his legs, could be a viable, if you're desperate, kind of guy in Week 18. All right, as you see up on the screen, and waiver wire targets for Week 18 recapped if you need some help, if you're still playing. We're going to take our last break. When we're back, we got our favorite futures bets going into Week 18 right after this. Ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. 
Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code Barry when you sign up. DraftKings Drafting Sportsbook, Sportsbook the, the crown is yours. All right, Jay, let's jump into Back to the Futures. What do you got for us as we close out the regular season? Looking at Comeback Player of the Year, which is one of the more bizarre markets we've seen. Right. Very difficult to handicap, but this is award. It is strange, but you usually vote for the story or you vote for the on-field production. If you're voting for the story, then you cannot not vote for DeMar Hamlin. He has the best story. If you're voting for on-field production, I don't see how you don't vote for Baker Mayfield, who's played the full season. Flacco's only played five games. Baker's stats, he's been about the 10th best quarterback in the NFL this season. He's on four teams in 12 months. So I think that Baker, he is the option uh, at 12-1 to if you vote for the on-field production. But I still think Hamlin is going to win. I think Hamlin at minus 140 is incredible value. Matthew or the champ, what do you got for us? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, Connor. Thank you for the acknowledgement. You're correct. Um, you may stay in the kingdom. Uh, I'm gonna, how about Puka Nakua for Offensive Rookie of the Year as well at plus 450? I think everyone thinks C.J. Stroud is the likely winner here, and I think he will be. But C.J. Stroud plays on Saturday for the for a playoff spot in essence, basically. And if he kind of tanks that and doesn't have a great game there, then it opens the door for Nakua, who only needs four receptions and 29 receiving yards, to set both rookie records for most receptions and receiving yards by a rookie. And so if Stroud doesn't play well on Saturday and Nakua sets both records, I like him at plus 450. If Stroud ends up leading his team to a playoffs, then I think he's going to win, and that's why he's at minus 1,200. But the better odds there are plus 450 on Puka, who's got a shot at it. I have the same strategy as you, Matthew, here for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Jalen Carter has been the runaway favorite like C.J. Stroud. I'm going with Will Anderson at plus 400. Seven sacks, 14 quarterback hits, 36 hurries. Jalen Carter, six sacks, four quarterback hits, 33 hurries. Will Anderson has played more. He's been more productive. He's been great. That's it for us. For Matthew, for Jay, I'm Connor. We'll be back tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern time here on Peacock. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.